Hello, and welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast for Edgewood Church in Danville, Illinois. This week at Edgewood. Heavenly Father, Lord, I do thank you, God, for this day. I thank you for your word. I thank you for what we're going to look at this morning. I pray now before I say any other things this morning that, God, you would just bless this church. Bless me, Lord, as I speak, my tongue as I uh, produce words to say. God, I just ask that your spirit would be poured out into this building this morning, that you would guide and direct every thought that we have so that the end result, Lord, might be a group of people that learn more about you and how you work. I pray this now in Christ's name. Amen. We've been in 1 Corinthians 12 for two weeks. If you've missed uh, and you want to hear the full sermon, we have them all online and uh, you can listen to those. I don't normally do something like what I'm doing today, but this is important. Okay? Very important. Um, We're going to start by going back and taking a look at, and we're going to do a little bit of review. So if you're looking at your little handout there, little handout, like I said that, little. um, I want you to go to the second page. There's some fill in the blank. So that big first page, you can ignore that for now. And you may see on the second page it says review from two weeks ago. Multiple choice, I'm sorry. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you all these blanks. I'm not expecting anybody to know these in advance. Okay, this is not a quiz. This is, this is notes right now. If you have a Bible, I hope you do, and you wanted to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you don't have to. If you want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm going to reference some things in there. Now, I don't want to go back and re-preach everything from the last two weeks then we'd be here for a long time. But it's so important what this chapter is building into. So from two weeks ago, we started chapter 12 that began, Paul said, now concerning spiritual gifts. And I mentioned that this first time that it's translated that way, and some versions even put it a different way, this first time where it says gifts in verse 1 of chapter 12, uh, could also be translated things. It could be translated people. Okay, so it's talking about spiritual, and I'm going to use the word stuff. In this one, there are spiritual things. And Paul says he does not want them to be uninformed. He doesn't want them to be ignorant. So point one from two weeks ago was there are spiritual things and we should know about them. See, the, the setting a foundation here, right? There's spiritual stuff. I mean, think about it. In this room right now, you have everything you can see physically, but is there more than just that? I mean, we pray for it, don't we? We hope for it. But do you believe that there's a spiritual world? Are there spiritual presences in this room right now? I'm not talking... Halloween spooky. I'm talking about awe-inspiring. They're spiritual things. Paul doesn't want them to be ignorant. I don't want you guys to be ignorant. I don't want to be ignorant. I want to be informed. So they're spiritual things. We should know about them. Number two. Oh, I'm going to put this up there. You should know about them. Number two, they're spiritual things. And not all are from God, the true God. You see this in that chapter, verse 2. Paul talks about how those Corinthians before were led by those mute idols, he says. But they were led. However they were led, they were led. There was was something pulling, tugging. It wasn't the true God. It was these mute idols, but they were still being led. There are spiritual things. Not all are from the true God. God. So are there presences that could be attempting to infiltrate even this room as we speak to pull you away? Yeah, I believe so. I think they can take a lot of forms. Not to be 
odd about it, but could there be a spirit of distraction? I mean, we have our own distractedness that we can have, but could there be a spirit? I mean, do you think Satan and his minions want you to hear from God today? No. There's, there's spiritual things. Could there be a spirit of distraction? Be a spirit of pride that you may walk into church thinking you already know everything you need to know? All kinds of things that could be working. Number three from two weeks ago, there are spiritual things and we should discern their source based on their destination. And that came from verse 3 where, Jesus, or where Paul talks about how this, there's one that leads to Jesus is Lord. A true confession of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And there are Others that lead to, as he put it, Jesus is accursed, which we go, that's odd to think of it that way, but the, the negative, anything that leads away from Christ, we can discern, determine and discern the source based on their destination. Uh, verse 4 is point 4, where I got point 4. Um, there are spiritual things from the true God and are, they are orchestrated by the full, and this is a theological term, the full Godhead. It's an old term. We're talking about the Trinity. Paul discusses in verses 4 through 6, the full Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, one God, three persons. If that blows your mind a little bit, that's okay. It blows mine. When the Bible speaks about God, it is always one God. Uh, in the Old Testament, there's a statement we've actually talked about before called the Shema. It's a Jewish statement, and it comes from the Hebrew word for hear. And it uh, comes from the Old Testament. It says, Hear, O Israel, for the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And in that old statement that, that the Jews have held on to for generations about the fact that God is one, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, that's the word Jehovah, name of God, the Lord, our God, Elohim, is plural for God. The Lord, singular, our God, plural, the Lord, Jehovah, singular, is one. And that word for one, there's two, two different Hebrew words for the word one. One can refer to this one clicker, one can refer to this one church. And there's a pluralness to the one. And in that, that passage, it's that one. It's ikad and yakid are the two Hebrew words. I don't remember which one is which right now. But one of them, the, the Lord, our God, the Lord, singular, is one. There's a, even in the Old Testament, before we had all, these, all this revelation brought to us that we see much more clearly in the New Testament, you see already in the Old Testament. You see it even when you go back to Genesis. What does God say when he's creating things? He says, let us... You ever thought about that? Let us make man in our image. The full Godhead, we learn from Paul, is at work. The fullness of God is at work. The Father, the Son, the Spirit is at work in this, the spiritual things of His people, the church. See, you're not just, <laughs> we're not just doing this, are we? I feel that way sometimes. I'm going to admit to you, I feel that way sometimes. Okay, it's time we've we got to pull ourselves together and get church going. You, you may not realize this, but that's how a lot of times if you're in leadership, you feel that way, don't you? Don't you feel that way when you're getting the music ready and you're getting Sunday school ready and you're, you're getting ready to do a kids' church, right, or a counseling, right? I mean, when, when we're doing all these different little things, sometimes it's easy to feel like, man, we've we got, we got to pull ourselves up by the booze. We've got to do church. Paul says, God is doing this. Not you. God is doing this. The spiritual things from the true God are orchestrated by the full, the fullness of God. Number five. The spiritual things from the true God are for the good of God's people. You see that in verse seven. It says the manifestations, all these different ways that it looks, the way that God gifts to his people he says, is for the common good. You see that in verse 7. The spiritual things from the true God are for the good of God's people. That's something you never have to wonder about. All that God is doing, He is doing for your good. There's 
little takeaways that we're going to have near the end, but I, there's little ones that creep up. One just crept into my head just at this exact moment. You know, that means that when I sit back and I look at what we have at this church, do you ever, do you ever feel lacking, like, I wish we had this, or I wish we had this, or I wish we had this? I understand that what God has given, He's done for good, and this is what we need for that good. Number six. The spiritual things from the true God are manifested in a variety of ways, but for the same purpose. Verse 11, 8 through 11 is where that point came from. Paul goes through all these different spiritual gifts. One of the first lists he gives, none of them are the same, which is important. I wish they were all the same, because then I could really analyze it. My analytical mind would be so happy. <laughs> right? My, see, you guys forget sometimes, but I, math teacher for 19 years, I like specifics. Paul doesn't use the same list any of the times he goes through these things. That bugs me, but I think there's something there. I think it's important. One of the things I got from that is that the spiritual things from the true God are manifested in a variety of ways. But for the same purpose, God is orchestrating all of this. Now we move on to last week. Okay, that was two weeks ago. Now we move on to last week. Verses 15 and 16. And I, I had to preface, and so I went ahead and put it in every single one of these points, because of the grace of God alone. Okay, do you see that at the beginning of each one of those points? And I don't know if anybody remembers why I said that, but if you just took those little points out of context, it sounded like you were here for a self-improvement seminar. But that's not what it's about. You can't read this and think, I'm special because of me. You think I'm special because of how great God is. And that's so important because, you know what, I know that maybe you like to feel special, but I'm telling you what, you feeling special about yourself is going to break down at some point because we are all flawed human beings. But if you take the basis of the specialness and you don't have it rooted in you, then it becomes something solid, does it not? Because God is our rock. Firm foundation is who he is. So I can say these things, but I always have, I mentally, maybe not as much for you, but I mentally, I have to preface each one for myself. Some might have to preface it because, and I'm not going to say I've never struggled with this, but I, it's easy to struggle when you do something good and you start to feel good about yourself. You ever do that? Feeling pretty good. You know, some, some people have more struggles with that than others, you know, because they're pretty awesome. There's some pretty awesome people in this world. Let's be honest. I don't know if any of them are here. Sorry. <laughs> but for me, I usually tend to, to struggle the other direction. And so the grace of God alone allows me to enter into some of these special feeling, if you want to call it that. Because it's rooted, because if I'm basing it on me, I never feel that way naturally. I always feel like I've come up short. Maybe you're like me on that. Maybe you're not. I don't know. But for me, because of the grace of God alone is not to bring me down, but to try to bring me up to enter into God's grace, if that makes sense. So number one, because of the grace of God alone, you belong. You're here. You belong to the body of Christ. When Paul was talking about it in verses 15 and 16, he says there's no, no parts that can say I don't belong. And so this is very basic. You might be thinking to yourself, I'm the big toe of the church. <laughs> the big toe of the church, right? The body of Christ. I'm the big. You might be thinking that in your head. Now some people go, I'm the eyeballs of the church. You know, I'm, I'm, the, I'm, this, you know, I'm the hands of the church. Like some people, you know, but, but you might be coming into church sometimes and going, man, I'm, I feel like the pinky toe of the church. But... With what Paul says, can anybody ever come and go, I don't belong? And, and I think it's important because I, I don't want anybody to ever walk in this building and think, I have nothing at all to contribute. You belong. You're part of this. Because of the grace of God alone. 
which means I can also say this. Because of the grace of God alone, you are important. The nose, Paul talks about, brings something specific. The ears bring something specific. Right? The teeth bring something specific. The mouth. There's something specific. You're important in what you bring. And I, since we go back to that the week before, that God is orchestrating, that the full Godhead is orchestrating this, I can look out and I can know with absolute confidence that every single person in this room, and, and I want to say the ones that aren't in this room today, so if you're listening online later and you're not here today, I'm talking about you. Uh, you're important in some way. God has brought you to this extension of the body of Christ for a reason. And you're important. It's not an accident. You might even be thinking to yourself, well, I, but I brought myself here. Wrong. God has orchestrated your presence in this building today. That's how great he is. Verses 18 to 21, no part of the body can say, I don't need you. Works the other way around. Because of the grace of God alone, you are needed. The first one went from one side. The other, this one comes from the other side. One, one side can't say, I don't belong. But the other parts can't say, well, they're not really needed. If you ever look around in church, and I don't think that this is an issue here. And you think people might be thinking, well, they're just a, a bump. Not true. Nobody can say, we don't need you. God has brought you for his grand purposes. And none of us can say that. Because of the grace of God alone, tying these little loose ends together, you are indispensable. Which is why we feel, again, those that are not here today, if you're listening to this at home, we miss you. I know in the world we live in, we have issues with regular connection to church because of work. Right? Many of us have jobs that didn't used to be that way, you know, way back in the day. Everybody worked Monday through Friday. It's not like that anymore. So it makes this difficult. But I'm going to tell you right now, on those Sundays when it's not because of work, but you just wake up and you go, uh, I just don't feel like going today. I, I could get up here and say, I could scold you. I could get on to you and say, grow up. Right? But if I go that way, I'm missing what Paul's talking about. We lack when you're not here. If it's because of work, we understand, but you must understand we still lack when you're not here. Fortunately for us today, we have, and I, I'm going to say because of the grace of God, we have technology to be able to try to stay connected in ways that people never could have before. But you ought to find ways to be connected to this local extension of God's body of Christ, the church. You, I hope, by the way I'm talking today, get the sense that you're honored. Paul talks about this specifically in the sense that Paul says that the, the, the parts that seem less honorable are more honored. There's an upside-down nature to how God's economy works. In the world, the people with the, there, there's these spectacular gifts. And so in the world, the speaker might be the one that is the most honored. It, it, that's not how it ought to be in God's economy. There should be an upside down nature to it. And the ones that seem, as Paul put it, unpresentable, receive the greatest honor. I used a quote, and I don't have it here with me today, but I used a quote last week where the, one of my commentators talked about every person is so essential. And he, he talked about this, the, the fact that unpresentable could have to do with deformities, 
not necessarily physical, but any type of lacking. And, and he said, you know what, it's so important that we understand that it's those that are important because they display the gospel. I love that. Just love it. Because of the grace of God alone, you are not... See, because I go through all those things and go, well, that might be true for everybody else, but man, I am a royal shipwreck most of my, my days. And I can say, you are not... In, you, no, there's no room for exception to this rule in God's church. Every single one of you in God's amazing majesty has worked it out that you have been brought in. He's pulled you in to be a part of the body of Christ. And you are not an exception to that rule. As much as you feel like you may be. In fact, I want to suggest that maybe that feeling of acceptedness, that you're an exception to this, might be one of the very key elements as to why you're so essential. Because you are, you're here because of the grace of God alone. I would take a church full any day of people who, have, who, who think they've got nothing to offer. I take that any day of the week. Just people who come humbly like beggars looking for bread. I take that any day of the week over a church full of put-together, ducks-in-a-row kind of people. Any day of the week. I prefer it. Because of the grace of God alone, that means when we tie these things together, you are not alone. You don't have to be. I'm going to go ahead and give you this last one here because verses 25 and 26 pull together these two ideas. We are in this together. He says there ought not to be these divisions in the church, but we're in this together. This brings me through my review into the last part of chapter 12. I'm going to go to verse 27, and I'll put it up there in just a moment. But I want to pause. I want to ask. This isn't in my notes to do this, but I, I just feel the spontaneity to ask. From the last two weeks, has anybody had any eye-opening, like, this has impacted me moments that you want to share? <laughs> you don't have to share. Has anybody had any moments? I had one hand. <laughs> I see some nods. That's good. Anybody having that you'd like to share? Like, I've never thought about that aspect. I, I've got one myself, but anybody have any that you'd like to share? Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's exciting. Like, 
it is. Um, stemming off of that one, uh, the one that I wanted to, that came to me this morning, actually there's a couple of them, but the one that came to me this morning when we were doing Sunday school, we are talking about how to study the Bible, and we were, one of the, the, the comments I made, which is so true for me, when, during praise and testimony time, during, I just love listening to the different things that God is doing, and, and the things that you all say God has taught me this, or I've seen this, or this is what I've been... Those are gifts to the churches. You're, you're sharing something God has done, and, and we're hearing about it, and it's uplifted. We're uplifting each other. We're going, I mean, there's things that I've gone through and that you've gone through and others have gone through. And I don't know about you, but when you hear some of those... Te- you ever hear somebody give a testimony, and they're at the end of a trial, and they speak about something... And it's where you're in the middle of something almost similar. You ever had that happen? And you ever get it? You ever get it? Let me just ask you this with a show of hands. Have you ever, in praise the ever, in praise and testimony time, caught a glimpse of hope because of somebody else's testimony? Has that ever happened to you? That is a gift of God to the church. I don't want to cut anybody off. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to have it. Because, and, and I, I want to say right on that, that, since you brought that one up. So that, that has been one of the things, and you guys know this because I've talked about this lots of times. It's one of the things that's freed me to, to be able to come up here and speak to you. Because I, I think, I used to think... <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, there's some fabulous speakers out there that they're just naturals at it. And it, I want you to know, I, I've said it so many times, I don't want to over, overdo it, but when I get up here, if you, get, if you walk away and you think, man, that was interesting or I learned something, I mean, that is all God. And knowing that God gifts how he chooses, not based on how talented you are, it is, has been very freeing for me to, to take steps of, of doing things that I believe God wants me to do. And that's captured in this passage as well, that God gives how he chooses. Yeah. I think I've missed out for so, probably my whole Christian life in a community. I've missed out in being able to enjoy God's specific gifting to the church through an individual because of envy or mm. comparison. You know, instead of being able to sit back and relax and say, that's not my gifting, that, I mean, God's not using me in that fashion to give the church in this moment, but what a blessed thing that, that we have it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, just that whole idea of embracing how God is using you and, and letting that be what it is. It's not about us. Yeah. It's not about comparing us with other Christians and who's talented and who's that and who's got a bigger church and all that. But it's about appreciating these gifts. Which, one of the directions that we need to go, but I want to just mention right now, again, I'm I'm thinking through some of these things just as we're talking. That means that if you've been coming here and you go, if you're sitting, and and I'm going to tell you right now, there's there's two styles of leadership I've seen in pastors, and I'm going to tell you which one I, I think one is right and one's wrong. I'm just going to tell you right now. If you came to me and you said, I feel like God has been laying on my heart to start a Bible study. You know what I'm going to say? Go for it. Go for it. Have at it. There's some pastors that feel like they need to have their fingers in everything. Well, let me see all your notes first. and let me do That's not ever going to be me. And I'm going to tell you, I, I don't think that's the right way to be because, because of this passage. What, what is God doing? There may be people in the church. You may walk into this building some Sunday and you may see somebody else and, and just go, feel that prompting to go over and speak a word of encouragement to someone. I believe we need to be ready and willing to, to operate in those things. Could that be the Spirit of God prompting you? And what I want you to avoid is getting this thought, 
of saying, but who am I to say, I mean, I'm so messed up. How could I possibly say a word of encouragement to somebody? If you're still operating that, then you're missing what Paul's talking about. That, that is God's grace. I mean, the very word gift that's used in this passage comes from the Greek word grace. It's God's grace. He gives it not based on merit, not based on earning, but how he chooses. And one of the ways that he chooses is, I'm going to tell you right now, location. If there's somebody standing there that needs encouragement and you're 10 feet away, God may be prompting you to give that word of encouragement because you're right there. Okay. I could get off track here. Let's jump in to chapter 12, verses 27 to 31. I'll put the rest of these scriptures up there for you. Um, verse 27 says this, and this is kind of a summary statement of where he's been coming from. And there's so much in this little sentence right here. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. That's a big sentence if you let yourself soak in it. It's kind of like our how to study the Bible this morning. You, you could read this through several times. Let me just give you a few. You. Now you are the body of Christ. Who's Paul talking to? Us. Corinthian church, but also us. You are the body of Christ. Christians. Now, pause, wait. Okay, so if we're, let's take it into 20th century. You're the body of Christ. I could be speaking to Edgewood. This letter was written to Corinth, the city. Think about this for a moment. The Corinthian Christians would not always meet all in one place. They met in house congregations. Okay? When Paul said you, he's talking about the whole church of Corinth. He's also talking about those individual congregations. That's a really important thing. Because I don't think that it's that much different. So when I read this, now you are the body of Christ. I could be saying, you, the church in Danville, in surrounding counties. <laughs> right? You, the church, are the body of Christ. That, that thought is very important. <laughs> I don't want to lose it. But let's look at the rest. And individually... That's not lost. You as an individual, you as an individual, you as an individual, you as an Each one of you, right? This goes right with what we've been talking about. You as an individual are members of it. The, the individuality is not lost in the body of Christ. I love that. Who you are, because of the grace of God alone, belong as part of the body of Christ. And God has orchestrated that. Verse 28. Now, we're going we're gonna to get some questions that are going to come up in this next verse. I cannot answer all of them today. Half of my purpose today is setting up the next few weeks of sermons, okay? Because the next two chapters are still on the same topic. Verse 28. God is appointed. Here's that word. He's used that once. Appointed, apportioned out. God is appointed in the church. First, now this is interesting. This, see, this list is going to be different in a couple of ways. First, apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. And he shifts a little bit. Then in miracles, then gifts of healing. And then he kind of combines the rest of this list up. Uh, he, then gifts of healing, helping, administering. Uh, that one there, administering, I found something interesting. This is not at all important for right now, but I found this one of the commentaries I read said that word is often translated administering. And he said, unfortunately so. It really is about giving wise counsel. I thought that was really interesting. Administering and then various kinds of tongues. This is a tough verse. A lot of questions pop in my head when I read this. First one that popped in my head is the order important. He said, why did, why did Paul shift into first this, then second this, right? Then third this, then he kind of shoomed the rest of these. Is that important? It's a good question. How about 
Another question popped in my head is, but what about apostles? I'm being very practical with you here. There are churches today that will have apostles so-and-so. What about that? There's only 12. Are you sure? Hmm. What about the next one here? So my next question that popped in my head is, are we talking any longer about people or abilities? Because the first list of gifts sounded like things or events happening. This one kind of, do you see there's a kind of a shift there? A blending? Wait, apostles, prophet, that sounds more like people. And they are people terms. Are we talking about people? Are we talking about abilities? Are we talking about events? What are we talking about? And then because somebody's wondering, what about tongues? Let me just, with a show of hands, um, two questions. One, and just be honest, with a show of hands, who has questions about what that is about? Do have any questions? You don't have to ask them. Only four? Oh, five. Okay, we got it. We got a few more. Okay. Um, let me ask you this. Do you think that every Christian in Danville views this the same way? Anybody think that? <laughs> no. Let me ask you this one. Do you think everybody in this room views it the same way? No. That's a big question. Hey, guess what? There's, there's a whole chapter 14. <laughs> right? So we're going we're gonna to get to that. If you were hoping I'd answer that question today, too bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, let me re read the remainder of this chapter, and then I want to give you a couple of takeaways to work on here. Verses 29 and 30 say this, Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? It, there's... In the question, the Greek word that's, that when it asks the question, it's an implied with each one of these, no. So, let me ask, are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? You guys aren't participating very well. Are all teachers? No. Uh, do all work miracles? No. Do all possess gifts of healing? No. Do all speak with tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. Okay, and see, Paul is implying the no each time he asks that. They would have known that. But he says this, verse 31, and this is going to be platform off into the next part. The first part of verse 31 says, but earnestly desire. Now, but Matt, you spent the first part of this talking about all the members of the body and there's, we're not to esteem one above the other. So what's Paul talking about here? Earnestly desire, he says, the higher gifts. Now, something very important before we go on. Again, I'm not going to answer all of this today. It would be impossible for me to do that. If I did, we'd be here till 6 o'clock tonight. <laughs> we don't want to be here that late, do we? He doesn't say higher in the sense of better. He's not talking about there's some that need to be lifted up and honored more. That, that's where we might go with that. But he's already kind of established that's not the case. But there are still, at the same time, there are some that are more essential to church life. I might survive without my leg. I would be hindered. I would suffer. But I, I'll survive. But you try to take out the beating heart, and we have a different issue. There are some gifts that God gives that are, have a more essential nature to them. We're getting a hint at what they are from the, the verse we just read. First, apostle. Second, prophet. Third, teacher. And then he kind of groups the rest together. Essential to the beating heart life of the church is the truth of the gospel. Essential. 
I want you to look at the last half of verse 31. He says, earnestly desire the higher gifts. And then he says this. And I will show you a more excellent way. Now, I want to answer a few of these questions. I want to start with this thing here. I want to answer a few of these questions. More excellent way. Does anybody know what the next chapter of 1 Corinthians is? Love. Who has heard somebody read 1 Corinthians 13 at a wedding? Yeah. 1 Corinthians 13 is in the middle, though, of talking about spiritual things. And I will tell you right now, Paul shifts his writing style into a very poetic nature. You could say that he's going to wax eloquent in chapter 13. As you know, when you read it. But no, what he says right before that is captured right here. I want to show you, he says, a more excellent way. In society, we tend to elevate people with natural talents and abilities to high status. And Paul is going to tell us next, none of it matters without love. And so he takes a whole chapter, what we've cut into a chapter, to talk about that. That's where we get to go next week. Let me answer a couple other questions, though. Blank your screen out here. Apostles. Let me just throw out some thoughts. This will stem into some questions. So if you have some questions about this, you can... Uh, this isn't the focus today. Apostles. I believe, personally, that the title of apostle is unique. That was only for the first century church. I think that you find that in the order there. An apostle needed to see the risen Christ during those first appearances since Paul, though not one of the twelve, is considered an apostle. Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 8, says he was the last one to see it. He says, uh, like one, you know, born late, he says, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 8. So I believe that that title of apostle is there. But for me to open up the possibility that the, the term, the word apostle itself actually just means messenger. So Paul actually in Romans chapter 9 verse 7 uses the word apostle in a sense that's outside of just a title but actually uh, as, a, as a role that someone is filling. So I think that the word, the idea of apostle is captured in what we see with people who are now missionaries, messengers. And so I think that that, that remember that first apostles? If we understand the word, apostles the messenger. For, for God's church to start, what, what has to happen first? The word's got to get there. So I think what we're seeing in that is a, a hint at the order, a chronological order. First, apostles. I'm like, bring the gospel. Second, he said, prophet. Prophets, prophets are one who are going to speak the truth of the word of God. There's an overlapping here, as you can tell. So when we try to see my analytical mind, I want to divide up apostle, no, that, it didn't work. The, the gift of apostle, the messenger, overlaps into this. Now the speaking the truth of the word of God. Next, what was it? Teachers. Continuing that we've now spoke, but now we're going to dig deeper to understand more. And the rest of those are I, I, what I believe is a maintenance, an ongoing maintenance of continuing to have a working, thriving church. So that order, I think, is giving us a chronology of how the church begins in a new sector of the world. Like I told you before, tongues, not going to talk about it this week, too bad, you have to wait. Um, but now, there was a last question that came to my mind, and I hinted at it. People... Or gifts. In your handout, there's that first paragraph. I'm going to put it up there, but I'd like you to grab it. In your handout, first paragraph. If you want to follow along there, I'm also going to put it up here. This is important. This is Ben Witherington the third. 
I appreciate his approach because he's just trying to say this is what the text says. He says, Paul's use of the body metaphor to speak of the Christian community, us, or for them, in Corinth, implies that he believes that God, the Holy Spirit, bequeaths, gives to each Christian community all the gifts and graces it needs to be what it ought to be. Love that. In addition, the list of gifts in this chapter strongly suggests that God gives not only abilities, but also persons as gifts to the community. Whether apostoli, that's a Greek word for apostle, prophets, teachers, or others. Now, let me break this down a little bit because you might read that. Now, you may have to read that about 10 times. I, I had to read it 11, so... Um, okay. Takeaway number one in your notes. Go back to your notes there. I'll leave this up here for a minute so you don't need to scribble fast. If we go back from verse one all the way to where we're at here, this whole chapter, and one of the things I walk away with is this. Talents. Like singing. Right? Talents, whether they're, they're, you're born with them or they're the abilities, right? Whether you're born with them or you've learned them, learned abilities, playing the guitar, right? I'm mentioning the ones I don't have right now. Um, acts, something that you do. Teach Sunday school. Teach children's church. Help in the nursery. These things that you might do. Events. You go over and you encourage someone. And even people themselves, just their presence, can all be gifts to the church from God. The lines Ben Witherington is saying in that quote, the lines of trying to figure out, is it a talent or is it a, is it a gift or is it just a weird coincidence that I, I just had the right words to say at the right time? Or what about this, this person just even being here? The lines are blurred for us. Have you ever heard an orchestra begin? You know what I'm talking about? I should have gotten a recording of this. Yeah, it's like there's this one note, and then and it's, for a minute it sounds kind of chaotic, but then you ever heard, heard it when then all of a sudden it all pulls together? This grand sound. And then when they play, if you ever listen to like a full orchestra play, now someone who's trained at the ear can pick out clarinet, right? Flute, oboe, trumpet, oh, there's a tuba. There's that drum. There's this particular drum. Oh, that's this thing. I can't do that at all. I hear one thing. That is how God gifts his church. A trained ear might be able to figure out, I think that's a talent. <laughs> I think that's an ability. I think that's a, who cares? It, it's beautiful what God does in his people. And how he brings different ones at the right time, in the right place. And whether it's the person themselves, and maybe they, they brought with them, they're, they're pretty talented at this or that. Or maybe, maybe it's not their talent. Maybe it's just their willingness to, to do what needs to be done. Whatever. But God works us all together into this beautiful concophony of music. That it is his body, the church. And you, my friends, get to be a part of it. Praise God, right? Praise God that you get to be a part of it. That, that it doesn't depend on how good of a person you are. Your willingness to, to come and be a part of God's body, you didn't even muster that up. God broke you down and humbled you to bring you to a point of willingness to do what God might have for you. Praise God, right? Take away talents, abilities, acts, events, people, all these things. 
See them as gifts. Paul's sermon in Athens, we read about in Acts, that sermon itself was a gift to the church. Luke's writing that sermon in Acts so we can read it. Guess what? Gift to the church. John Calvin. Gift to the church. Martin Luther, I believe, gift to the church. I could go through a list. We just did all this church history. I go through a bit. I just try to pick two names you might know. Their teaching, what God opened their eyes to, gift to the church. If you know anything about Martin Luther, his struggles were a gift to the church. My wife, she's a gift to the church. Is that because, I, no, I think she, I'm biased. But what God does through any one of you, gift to the church. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, What do we have that we did not receive? Takeaway number two. God gives a variety of gifts through an array of people. I was trying to wax eloquent, forgive me. I took a long time coming up with this sentence. God gives a variety of gifts through an array of people in a myriad of ways to show the diversity of His splendor in the one body of Christ, the church. It's trying to find a way, and this is a good exercise, if you never try this, try to find a way to capture a big idea in one sentence. That's what I was trying to do with this. I have two sub-points from that one that flow from this, because I, I wrote that and I was like, just, you know, took me a while, I had to keep tweaking it. But then I thought, I need to break that down a little bit, because that means something. Number one, no one person is a recipient of all God's gifts to the church. Now, the name Matthew, ask my mother, means gift of God. Did you know that? <laughs> so if you ask my mom if, if I've... I'm a recipient of a lot of God, but she's a mom. I'm messed up. It's true. It's true. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's a relief, isn't it, that not one person must bear that burden? Oh. But here's my next thought. Because... Paul, as he spoke to the Corinthian church, and he says, you are the body of Christ. You. Now, so imagine those different home congregations reading it separately. You, church at Corinth. I think that I can also say this. No one congregation, no one local gathering is a recipient of all God's gifts to the church. So when we go back to my earlier notes when I said we need each other, that becomes bigger in this chapter than just what's right here. Now I'm going to read to you. Actually, let me, let me say something first and I'm going to read something to you. There are what I believe are true Christian churches in this town. We're not the only ones. Amen? There are some things that call themselves churches that are not true Christian churches because they don't believe in Jesus Christ and Him crucified as the way to salvation. Two examples. 
a Mormon church, they use the name Jesus. They're not talking about the same guy. Jehovah's Witnesses, they use a lot of the same words. They're not talking about the same thing. You, you start asking them what they mean with those words. They're not talking about the same thing. Jesus is not God in the flesh, Savior of the world. In fact, for many of them, they're hoping to take his place and have be their own gods. That's horrendous. But there are many churches in this town that I would say fall into this category of God's church. I want to read in your little hand. I'm not going to make you read the whole thing. Uh, on the front page at the very bottom where it says Paul is apparently, that's where I'm going to start. If you'd like to follow along, you can. This was eye-opening for me. I hope it will be for you. I'm going to read it slowly. If you, if you read it with me and you, you don't give me that, there's a couple things I'm going to point out that I hope you walk away from, and I think it's found in what we're seeing on the screen. Paul is apparently referring to all the Corinthian house congregations collectively as the body of Christ. So I can say the church of Danville. The unseen church, the body of Christ in Danville. This might well suggest that one particular local house church would not have all the gifts needed in that city to serve the purposes of Christ's body. Perhaps there is a lesson here for us. And I think so. As many churches as we have in every city, none of them has all the gifts, graces, and human resources necessary to be the, and this is the Greek word for church, the ecclesia, the church of God fully and adequately in that place. There's a warning here to every singular assembly that the church does not cease at its doorstep. Mm. Every local assembly needs every other local assembly to be complete. Just as gifted individuals cannot say to other Christians that they are unneeded, Right? I think I typed something wrong. Since no Christian has all God's gifts, so too this is apparently true with congregations as well. It is not accidental that different Christian faith traditions, listen to this carefully, it is not accidental that different Christian faith traditions have specialized in manifesting different gifts. For example, not all truly Christian congregations have prophets or tongues speakers in them, but some do. Did the word Baptist just fall off my lapel? I think it did. Um, or again, some churches have especially nurtured the role of elder or deacon or deaconess. My plea here, Ben Witherington III says, and it's mine as well, is not just for Tolerance, okay, big word, ecumenical cooperation, churches working together, that's what that means. And appreciation, but also for recognizing that we all need each other. Paul is correcting abuses of various gifts in chapters 12 through 14, but, but to correct abuse of a gift is not to rule out its proper use. I suspect that Paul would tell us just as charismania The overemphasis on prophecy or tongues is not healthy. Neither is charisphobia. I struggle from that. <laughs> Another big word, the anathem, that, that just means like criminalizing it. We're not called to, in fact, my charisphobia, when people are too spontaneous, I get uneasy. Anybody else like that? When people are too spontaneous, do you ever get a little bit uneasy? I think, I think he's hitting on something important here. We are not called to act in the chaotic and selfish fashion the Corinthians did. That's where they were struggling. But we are also not called to quench the Spirit and arrange 
Christian worship so that there is no room for the spontaneous word from above to be shared. There's a balance between spirit and structure, order and spontaneity that should be maintained in any local congregation. That's some good stuff, huh? Over the course of this last week, there's several at the school where I work, there's several other people at the school that are Christians from very different faith backgrounds. And I love, love, love talking with them. And I read this and I realized so clearly, personally, how much we need each other. Would you say that the churches of Danville operate manifesting that need of each other? Or do you think that many of them operate in a way where it's like... Right? Now, we're a tiny little church. I don't know how we can work against that, but I believe that if God has revealed it to us, we ought to try to find ways to begin that process. Right? Give you one example. Your number one goal in ministering is not to make people members of Edgewood. Right? I mean, I love having people come here. And I jokingly also always talk about, hey, you know, I'm not trying to pull people from other churches, but I'm really not. But when we're out there, our goal is not to grow Edgewood, is it? Our goal is to, to just contribute as part of the body of Christ. I, I think that one of the roles that Edgewood has filled is the little church role. I, I've known there's been many people who have had a difficult time coming into church. And a big church is frightening. But the ability to step into this one, they've, they've felt comfortable for whatever reason. Now, some wouldn't in this little church. They'd rather have the big and can blend into the crowd. But God is allowing us to fill a certain role. And I want you to know I'm totally fine with that. I wasn't always. God has had to break me down because I used to think, man, I want to grow this church and do this and get bigger and do these things. And that is not what God has had for us. And I'm okay with it. We're going to do what God has called us to do. Amen? Once again, I wish I had bread to break. I say it every week, don't I? My mom's thinking, I had some if you wanted it. You couldn't break it. The one body of Christ broken for you, right? And so you, we would all be, I will let you know, all the bread that you've seen here, this was not manufactured in a factory. My mommy rolled it out, sweat dripping, worked hard at it, but it was all one piece, broken up. And so when we pass this bread out, you're going to know that the piece that you have was previously connected to one of the other pieces in this room. Let that thought filter in as you're partaking today. The body of Christ broken for you. This one bread broken for you. You're all partaking of the same body of Christ. Let's let that be one of our thoughts today. That's one of the pictures that's illustrated in this. I'm going to have, and I don't know who I've got to come up here and do this. Can you guys? Okay, come on up. You sneak around behind me there. I want to pray for God's blessing on this today. They're going to pass this out. I want to encourage you to think, what ways am I a part of? You may just go, God, is, what a grace that you've brought me into hear your word today. God, it's just your grace. Thank you so much. Maybe, that, maybe that's the extent of it right there. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this bread and this cup. I pray that you would bless it. Bless each person in this room. 
Lord, I, I ask personally, Lord, for this bread and this cup today that you would, in the process of the partaking of this together, God, I pray that each one in this room that partakes today, Lord, by your grace, would recognize, not because of themselves, but because of how great you are, Lord, that they would recognize that you know what you're doing. And you've brought them here for this reason, for this purpose. Pray that you begin to work a willingness in each heart in this room today to, to fulfill, God, what you may have for them, what role they may occupy. Lord, I pray that no one in this room would think to themselves, I don't belong or I'm not needed. Lord, help them to see your grace is bigger than any of those things. Lord, bless, bless this bread and bless this cup today. In your name I pray, amen.